This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Let's get into the Word. We're right there in Proverbs. Just turn to Proverbs 23. Just Proverbs 23. Now, I said this a couple weeks ago. I wanted to talk about some things that just kind of kind of clarify who God really is. And so uh, just I wrote down, this is just understanding God. And God's, God's our friend. He's not our enemy. And he's a, he's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. He's a God of forgiveness. He, he's even a God of love. And that's one of the reasons we sang that song there at the end. I want this to get in every one of our hearts. He's a good, good father. He's a good, he's not a a father that sits on the the stool of heaven and looks down at us and says, man, I just can't wait till they make a mistake so I can just swat them. But see, that's a lot of people's view of how God is. That's not God. And so I want us to be biblically taught on this area because oftentimes people think God's my problem. The reason everything in my life is so bad that God is my problem. And and this type of thinking will alienate you from God. And it will affect the way you approach God. If you think God's your problem, you're not going to run to God. So it it affects us that way. Now, here in Proverbs 23, I just want to read this one verse real quick, and then we're going to move on. Verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So the way a human being thinks in his heart, so is he. And so the way I think affects the way I believe. And the way I think and the way I believe affects what I say. And so ultimately those three, the way I think, the way I believe, and the way I speak will actually lead to action or what I ultimately do. And so it's very important that we begin to learn to think in line with what God says we are and who God says we are. Now, go back with me to the New Testament to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, and as you're turning there, many, many people have a a false misrepresentation of God's character. And so we're going to show you biblically tonight where you leave here tonight and you know He's a good, good father. Now, I'm going to be on this several weeks. That's the goal, to, to keep laying a foundation and going on it for, for, for many times in our life, or many times these this next few weeks. But oftentimes, we have the thought, God's against me. God's mad at me. God's going to get me. You know, one thing I tell you, to do, don't, don't ever tell your kids God's going to get them. Don't say that stuff, because then they grow up thinking, oh, I can't approach God. God's going to get me. God's not going to get you, Okay. God loves us. John 10, we begin in verse 10. The thief does not come except. Who's the thief in John 10, 10? The thief is the devil, okay? I want you to see that right off the bat. And so right there it says the thief, when he's talking about the devil, that shows me a lot about the devil's character immediately, that he's a thief. Now he says the thief, does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. One translation says he only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Another says he comes in order to steal, kill, and destroy. Who does? The thief, the devil. 
Understand this, on this planet called earth, when you see stealing, killing, and destroying, who's responsible for that? Thank you, it's the devil. You know what a lot of people would say? Well, that's just an act of God. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Be careful when you think that way, because I really, I really believe the devil eats it up when human beings blame God for what the devil's done. Now, look what is said very next after the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He says, I, I, the Lord Jesus, have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Now, God's will for every one of us in this room is abundant life. He wants you and me to live life to its, its fullest. And so there's a huge contrast here. There's one who takes life. And there's one who gives life. Jesus came to recover and restore to me and you everything that had been stolen from us that the devil wanted to rip us off. Now, in saying that, God and the devil aren't working together to refine your character. They're not working together to to, to help train you and help develop you. Actually, they're, they're opponents. And in Ezekiel 28, it says, The archangel Lucifer, he was booted out of heaven because he rebelled against God. He's never changed, okay? He's still rebelling against God. You're you're real close there. I, I read this verse. Just turn back a page, maybe two pages in your Bible. I read this Sunday morning. This is John 8, verse 44. This is just to give you another insight of the devil, okay? Understand this, the devil's not your friend. The devil is not some Hollywood figure that's dressed up in a little red outfit with a little pitchfork that goes around poking people in the rump, okay? That's not who he is, all right? Listen to this in, in John 8, verse 44. It says, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. Now listen to this. He was a murderer from the beginning. Who was? The devil. And he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. His native tongue is that of a liar. And so I'm just laying the foundation here where you begin to understand God is good and the devil's bad. And understand this right here. This, this is who God says that the devil is. Now, keep reading with me in verse number 11. John 10, verse 11. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, twice right there in one verse, he references himself as the good shepherd. He gives life. He doesn't take it away. The devil is the one that takes life away. And so Jesus never did use the devil to discipline or correct me and you, okay? He's never done that. Now, here's a crazy thought about the devil for you right here. No mother or father in their right mind would let a murderer, a liar, a perverted criminal discipline their children 
None of us, if we knew they were liars, and we wouldn't let them discipline our children. We wouldn't let them correct us. We wouldn't let them get near our children. And that's the same with Father God. He does not have the devil do anything like that for me and you, okay? Now, turn to James chapter 1. James chapter number 1. He's a good shepherd. You know what a good shepherd does? He's committed. He's in. He likes to watch over us. It gives him joy and great pleasure to watch over his, his sheep, me and you. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed. Now, anytime I see the word blessed there, I have to ask this question, how do I get there? How do I get a place where I'm blessed? Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Blessed is the man who's patient in temptation. Let me help you a little bit with that right there. Not one of us in this room are exempt from being tempted, okay? I would venture to say right now, every one of us in this room have been tempted by something today. But he tells me and you, blessed is the man who endures temptation. So if I endure it, I'm patient through it and I put my trust in God and I just keep plowing on through it, there's a blessing attached to it. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when, for when, not if, but for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Verse 13, let no one, let no one, let no one, let no one say, When he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone with evil. So if I'm being tempted by something that's evil, where's that coming from? It's not God. And so a lot of times we have the thought that that it's God who's behind all this. That it's, it's coming from him. But it's not. Temptation is an enticement to evil. Okay? That's exactly what it is. Now, here's a question that arises a lot to me. Is temptation a sin? No, temptation's not a sin. It's a sin only when I act on it. Now, this may help you with that right there. And I just talked about this last night a little bit to a group of people, but the Bible school I went to, the, 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 the head of that, he used to say this all the time. It took me a lot of years to get a hold of it. But he said, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can sure keep them from nesting in your hair. That's the same way with temptation. Temptations are going to come to me and you. It's not the temptation that gets me. It's what I do with the temptation. So he clarifies some things right here in verse 13 for us. We go to verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed or trapped or baited. Now, a lot of us in this room, we didn't know that the devil likes to fish, but he does. And so he puts on the the line bait and he throws that bait out there and he tries to entice us with that. And it's just like a fish. Some fish are stupid enough to bite the hook. Others aren't. 
And oftentimes as human being, he throws it out there and he sees if we'll take the bait. Now, what I found out with the devil in my own life, and it's the same for you too, I believe, he doesn't attack our weaknesses. I mean, he doesn't attack our strengths. He does attack our weaknesses. And so what happens is if he throws a certain bait out there, he catches you on that. He's going to keep doing that, and he's going to keep doing that, and he's going to keep trying to come after you, okay? That's the same for every one of us. So he goes on to say, let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted, nor does he himself tempt one. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Temptation comes from evil desires, not from God. Verse 15. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So what we begin to see here, it begins with an evil thought. And the longer I meditate or I dwell on that evil thought, it starts taking a stronghold on me. And before long, I act on it. And when I act on it, that's when I get in trouble. But again, the point here is understand who all this is from. Verse 16. Do not be deceived, misled, thrown off track, my beloved brethren. Now this is a warning to us. He's saying you can get off track on all this. Verse 17. Pay close attention to the wording here. This is a great verse for us. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above. Every, every, every good gift is from God. And every perfect gift is from God. And so again, God's just clarifying to me you, to me and you his character. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good God. So he goes on to say, And it comes down from the father of lies, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And so, man, God wants to be good to us. And when it says that every good gift and every perfect gift from him, there's no shadow of turning. That means he's incapable of changing. He's always been good. He's always wanted to bless his children. Verse 18. Of his own will, of God's own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Now remember in John 8, 31 and 32, it says the truth will set you free if you abide in it. And so this is what he's talking about that we may be kind of as first fruits of his creatures. And so I believe one of the things we've got to do, we've got to get out of our head. God's going to get me. God's mad at me. He, he, he's going to thump me into next year. That's not God, okay? Now, in saying that, i got two little verses that I just want you to read real quick pertaining to our will. Turn with me the book back to John, John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And as you're turning there... To understand that God is, is, isn't my problem, I got to understand that God created me and he, God created you as a free will being. You know what that means? You have a will. And because you have a will, you have a choice. Okay? And that's what I got to understand because a lot of times people think, well, God's my problem. God's my problem. Understand I'm a free will being. You have the ability to choose, just like you did tonight. Many of you chose to come to church, or all of us did. Every one of us make choices every day. It's the reason why? is God chose that. He gave me that will so I would have the ability to choose. 
Watch what it says here in John 7, verse 17. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it's from God or whether I speak on my own authority. If anyone wills to do his will, if anyone surrenders his will to his will, I don't have to. I can turn my back. I'm not doing that. I got one more that I want you to see, and this is what Jesus himself did. Luke 22, just a couple pages back there to your left. Luke 22, verse 42. Now, this was Jesus talking here again. It says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Now, listen to what he says. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Now, you know what Jesus did right there? Jesus shows me and you. He had a will, just like me and you. And he said right there, not my will be done, but yours. So it's a key, guys, that I surrender my will to his. I walk the way he asked me to, and I do the things he wants me to. One of the greatest things that can happen to every one of us in this room is I never get outside the will of God. How does that happen? I surrender my will to his will. Not always easy. How does that look? Well, you're real close there. Go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Now, in in saying that, God gave every one of us the the power to to choose. And God himself, he he demonstrated that in John 3, 16, when he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, when I say that, God chose to give. You know why God chose to give? Because he loved me and you so much. So it shows me right there, my will must be rooted in love. How does that look? Can any of us in this room force the other one to love somebody? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I don't have to love Paul. You could beat me. You could burn me. I still don't have to love him unless it becomes a choice in mine. It's a choice to love. And so the reason God, he he loved us so much, it was his choice. It was his will. He said, I'm God. I don't have to, but I want to. And so we go all the way back to Genesis 1 where it said God created mankind in his own likeness and his own image. And so again, I've got to surrender my will just like God did and said, you know what? I love them so much. Even though they've been bad, they've broke my commandments, they've dishonored me. I'm still going to love them. Romans 10, verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever, and I want you to highlight that right there, whoever, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Whoever. Pretty self-explanatory. Whoever. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. That whoever is rooted in choice. Every one of us in this room, every human on this earth 
that hears the gospel will have the opportunity to call on the name of the Lord. But it all comes down to this. You must choose. I remember as a young boy, 15, 16, 17, 18, having opportunities to receive Jesus as Lord of my life. I was a whoever then, but you know what I said? Not today. I hadn't sinned enough. Not today. But about five years later, I gave my heart to Jesus. What changed? I surrendered my will and I chose him. Now, let me give you some thoughts here today. The devil himself, he had a choice. How do I know he had a choice? Because it said that he rebelled against God and a third of the other angels rebelled against God. You've got to have a choice to rebel against God. And so because they rebelled against God, you know what God did? He booted them out. He booted them all of them out. Now, in saying that, Satan, the, the, the third of the angels, they rebelled against God. Is that a fact? I believe it is, yes. Now, here's another question i got to ask you on that. Did God want that to happen? No. Was it God's best that that happened? No. Was it God's choice that that happened? No. Now, here's where I'm taking you with this. A lot of times people will say this phrase, but God allowed it. Now, I get this all the time right now. If certain things happen in this earth, just like the thing in San Bernardino this afternoon, that wasn't a good thing, but you know what a lot of people say? But God allowed it. Well, in this situation right here with the devil, just because God allowed that to happen didn't mean it was God's will, and it didn't mean it was God's best, and it didn't mean it was God's choice. God gave mankind the opportunity to say, I have a will and I have a choice. Here's another thought for you. Adam and Eve knew exactly what God asked them to do. But they rejected God. Did God allow it? Yes, he did allow it. Was it God's best? No. Was it God's will? No. Was it God's choice? No. Once again. But a lot of times we have this thought, God allowed it, so because God allowed it, he must have said he's okay with it. That's not true. Think about this in this sense. Does God want everybody to go to heaven? Yeah, he does. Will everybody go to heaven? No, they won't. No, they won't. And when people tell you they all will, whoo, that's a scary thought to me. But God allowed it. But God allowed it. God allowed him to go to hell. But he said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And nowhere in the Bible does it say that God's going to get you in a headlock and lead you to the altar and say, you're getting saved today. I love you that much. That's what I want to do. But I created you as a human being with a will. So you get the opportunity to choose. And it's the same way in every arena with Father God. I can repent of my sins. That's his will for me and you. But oftentimes we don't. Now, how does that look for me and you? Well, when I have the thought that God is against me, that it's God's will to do bad to me, it will alienate you from going to him to pray. You're going to look back and say, oh, I don't want to go near him. He's mad at me. He's no good. I'm going to end tonight with this verse right here. And this is where we'll pick up next week. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, it says, 
I set before you this day. Blessing and cursing, life and death. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Now, right there, it's almost like God's given us a a multiple choice question or a test. And he says, okay, students, here's the deal. Today before you I sit, I, I, I put life and death, blessing and cursing. Hmm, wonder which one I should choose. And so God says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to cheat on the test. He says, hey, choose life. Choose life. He's telling us what to do. But how many of the time do we choose that? A lot of times we don't. And so even in my life years ago, I used to get mad at God. And I would say stuff, stupid stuff like, God, why are you doing that to me? Why are you punishing me? And it all goes back to this. What did I choose? What did I choose? I have a will. I have a choice. I mean, in every arena of my life, I, I, can, choose, I can choose to be kind to Shelly or I can choose to be real ugly. It may be shocking to some of you that pastor could choose to be ugly. He can. You know Why? He's got a flesh just like you. But you know what I found out? That when I do choose what's wrong, if I'll go back and repent, man, God will say, get back in here. Come on back in here. You're ready to go again. You're ready to go. And so, so much everything that God's done for everyone, it's a choice. Life is a choice. I've said before you. Stand up here. You guys are a quiet bunch today. I don't know if you're really thinking or what, but We're going to keep hitting these each week. Just a different thing. But the goal tonight is you understand this. God's a good father. And I I don't care what you've done in life. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I don't care what you've done today. When you surrender your will and you choose, he won't reject you. I'm going to tell you that right now. He'll love you. He'll be kind to you. He'll bless you. But it's got to be your choice. See, this may shock you right here, this thought. Even those, and I take it's men, but even those three men that killed all those people today, and I, I don't know how many of them are alive right now. I mean, it got ugly there at the end when I was watching, but those people right there, If they would have repented and said, Father God, I I, I blew it by shooting all them and killing them. I repent to you today, Lord. I ask you to forgive me my sins. I'm going to tell you right now, God's going to forgive them. And I know our human nature will say, no, God won't. He needs to smack them and everything. But see, God's very faithful. That when we repent, he said he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so understand that, that, that the point of saying that is, I don't care what you've done. You didn't do that bad today compared to what they did. But again, it's a choice of mine to repent of my sin and say, Father God, I blew it again today. So everything I'm telling us today is I have a choice in this thing called life. And it's always interesting to me when people make choices and they're not good choices, but they want to blame everybody else. And I'm like, now, wait a minute. You made that choice. I didn't choose to have 22 kids. You did. Don't try to put that on me. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.